Hey y'all, welcome back to a Saturday, July 30th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast presented by Blue Wire Pods. We've got a jam-packed Saturday show for you guys today. Three-parter, we start off with Preds Power Hour. Oh yeah, we've got all things Predators coming up here with Brian Bastin and Charlie Burris. Talk about uh, what the case for the uh, Preds being a contender going into next year. Uh, the case against, if Taze makes any sense for... Uh, Nashville. Um, we're looking at different um, lineups and where they're the most uh, the most strength right now going into next year. Talk about Cody Glass a little bit, the rookies, and a whole lot more. So look out for that part one coming up right after this here on the Chase Sims Podcast. The Saturday, July thirtieth, July already over. Basically, that's pretty wild. But. Um, as always, folks, you can watch this very program and uh, keep up with the show on youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. Like and subscribe, all that good stuff. Read me at sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Type in your email, become a subscriber today. That easy, that simple. Uh, make sure you're subscribed. Daily daily sports show. So new content here every day. So make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you get your podcast so that you never miss an episode. Um but yeah, all right, three-parter today here on the program. First up, Preds Power, Uncle Darren. Let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. Hey, y'all, welcome back. Preds Power Hour here on a Friday afternoon. Brian Bastin, Charlie Burris, both here as they are at this time every single week. Check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas podcast. Like and subscribe, all that good stuff. Brian how are you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good. It's been a good week. Uh, how about you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, the wedding is in uh, like less than 50 days now, I think we did the math. So wow. that's a little terrifying. I'm going to pick up the actual ring for me today. And I don't know what you do with it. As uh, like, wh- What do I actually do, Charlie? What do I do with it? Um, I guess I really, you just... Do I just store it somewhere? I I was trying to think, are there rules where it's like you shouldn't look at it? There aren't. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. Brian, do you know? Um, I would give it to somebody who's trustworthy. I wouldn't wouldn't trust myself with it. I'd give it to my mom or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, I have certain places. I I don't even trust myself to wear it. Like, I don't have my... Do you not sleep in it and everything? I'm just in my house. Um, No, I... Yeah, it's uh, almost exclusively now for my wife and I both just because they were both pricey we just it's like when we go somewhere like yeah where we have to look decent that's what we and we go like well we should probably look like we're married maybe you know well hold on you can have <laughs> insure them that's all you got to do you just get you add to insurance and then if you Her, lose them whatever hers is insured that's for yeah sure <laughs> but fine, I, imagine so. I love that you're saying that too because i was the same way with mine where uh after i proposed and everything else like she of course like had a work trip like to minnesota right after and i was like oh, like i uh, we're, we're gonna see if it's all insured and done by then because if not like i don't think you should travel with the ring that's i i don't think i'll be able to sleep i i think i'll just uh, be <laughs> nauseous for the whole thing so uh yeah that would be all right the, the insurance is a real deal where you're like oh yeah we're uh, this is happening immediately mm-hmm. um but yeah there you go um, Charlie, you have some goats though, also in the backyard. Uh, how is <laughs> that going? You're gonna ask about that. Um, I'm a big goat guy. So we have super invasive uh, vines on our back fence. Yeah, and there is a service in Knoxville. No free advertising here. Sorry, <laughs> those guys. Yeah. Um, 
there's a service in Knoxville that will just let you have goats for mm-hmm. huh. kind of an indeterminate amount of time. They were like, oh, it could be three weeks, could be like five days. <laughs> we'll, we'll just see. And do they come? And they just freaking, they're just, I mean, I live in like a neighborhood, a residential yeah. neighborhood, and they just nosh on absolutely everything. One did hop out of the yard yesterday, though. You got to. What do you, you do if they them. hop out of the yard? So we, we had to call the, the people. Thankfully, our neighbor is a saint, and she was like super cool about it. Yeah. Uh, it's not every day you just see a yard, a goat just stumble into your yard, right? She said she's like an older lady and that she mm. took a picture of it and <laughs> sent it to her kids and was like, well, I guess I have a goat now. Uh, <laughs> <in my yard." laughs> and, and we had to call them, uh, call the people and they had to come and, and wrangle it. We tried to wrangle it ourselves because we yeah. like my wife's family has goats and stuff like I've mm. been around them. We tried to wrangle it ourselves and we just couldn't track it down. Like it just would run and we were, <laughs> it was like. You know, it just wasn't working, so we had to actually call them, and they dragged it back. But uh, it's it's fun, and it's cute. It's really cute, and we had to block. Now we had to put in extra fence to block mm. off where they jumped. So. <laughs> Good stuff. Have you named them all just like different? It's like Eric Ainge, Brent Schaefer, uh, Rick Clawson. <laughs> like you're just all going up and down the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, no, they, they, they all just have numbers actually. I think, I think they even said that, like That's they don't so name sad. They're just numbers. They clips. They're just yeah. here for, they're just full-time employees. Just no name. Them. They what? It's 20 of them that are 20. Yeah. Back there just, and from little, and they just sit there all day, just munch it on your Ivy. Just yeah. They, if I, if I was in a better room that was closer to it, I could literally take the laptop over and show you, but they're, Yeah. Uh, Send us a picture more. after, like a live update or something. Oh, uh, I definitely can. Yeah, they'll, yeah. they'll be out there. <laughs> I'm here yeah. for it. Um, I'm trying to convince my uh, my parents. Uh, they bought a farm uh, in Oak Ridge. And they. Uh, I was like, the goats are a mandatory thing. Like, if I don't see a lot of animals on this property, like the whole point of the farm is the aspect of me just being able to live out my zoo fantasies here and just mm-hmm. drop <laughs> off some animals and really, really make this thing fun. Goats are pretty fun. They're they're pretty destructive though, because her family mm. that has them, they have a farm and they have goats. And we, I was staying at their house maybe like a couple months ago, mm. and I was sleeping in the living room of their house, and it was like six a.m. and I just hear like bang bang, <laughs> like outside the window, and I was like, what the heck? Yeah. And I looked, and the goat had gotten out of the pen it was in, and was with its horns ripping the uh, screen out of the window. Yeah. Um, it had gotten on the front porch and was ripping the screen out of the window. So they do that. <laughs> well, he's got that dog in him. You, you can't tame that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's got that yeah, dog in him. <laughs> absolutely relentless. Quick, quick twitch muscle fibers. You know, yeah. Really... <laughs> I mean, we could use him in the backfield. Like, look, Kenneth Whitehead, he's not ever healthy. Like, I think goat, this goat, he's got what it takes. I think he can follow <laughs> Cooper Mace through the hole. I think he's yeah. fine. Yeah. All right. Give it a um, try. I like it. I like it. Um, well, guys, ostensibly this is a Nashville Predators podcast that we do uh, at this time each week, but you know we have to we have to catch up, and there's all kinds of crazy stuff that's going on in East Tennessee uh, on the daily, so we have to we have to check back in here. And hey, Brian, I you're not in East Tennessee anymore, but you went to UT, and mm-hmm. you're you're very familiar with it and of all that good stuff. But I feel like it's not as crazy. You don't see as much stuff over in Nashville, right? Like it's not as. Uh, no goats actions like just popping around and um maybe yeah maybe not quite as many we there was about a year ago up here you know up northeast of of nashville where i live Mm. we we had some cattle that escaped you know next to the main road there which you know is pretty normal but i mean (laughs) nashville has so much other like all the weird stuff in nashville just happens regularly so it becomes not weird anymore yeah um 
but I mean, you know, you've got your you've got your your pedal taverns and your your woo wagons and all that stuff here here in Nashville. And it just kind of seems like, yeah, of course, you know, yeah, they put a hot tub on the back of a flatbed truck. Like, yeah, mm. yeah that makes sense. I mean, sure. You know, and yeah, so Nashville is it's not quite as you don't get the the unique spark of what you would see in East Tennessee, you know, but I like you, that unique spark. It's a unique spark, but uh, mm-hmm. Nashville is just, it's just crazy kind of all the time. So you get used to it. You find that equilibrium of dealing with it. The, really the, the question is what is more destructive, mm. uh, a goat that will come and rip <laughs> the screens out of your windows or a drunk bachelorette party on, on uh, one of those party buses, you know, I'm going to say the drunk bachelorette. I was going to say, if you've ever talked rough. to a, Somebody who owns an Airbnb here in Nashville, it's had a bachelorette party. I'm going to go ahead and say it's the bachelorette. Oh, party. have you done that? I have not. No, no, no. No, no, no. But you've done like, have you gone in after? So you own an Airbnb that they've done that at. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just saying if you ask them, I've just heard. Oh, many, many, I was going to say, we, I have a lot of questions, sir. Like I <laughs> oh, have no. a lot of questions. Oh, no, no. I know better oh. than that. I'm not that smart, <laughs> but I can, I know that part. <laughs> yeah. I think that would just be a nightmare. Just going mm-hmm. in and like, oh, yep. I've had another bachelorette party this weekend. And there we like, let's see what the damage is. Um, I will say, and then we'll, we'll get into some preds. I was on campus yesterday because I had to drop off some forms to graduate this fall. And, uh, like there's a Boy Scout week on mm-hmm. campus. Like they're staying at a camp all week. So the campus is just flooded. And I like there's a lot of, I think, high schoolers and stuff like that. And I'm coming out of Hodges after I printed something and it started to rain because I feel like it's rained like non basically nonstop for like seven days in a row here. Um, and I walk out and I'm just like, oh, I just put my hand up, you know, just to see like what like what kind of rain we're working with here. And this kid walked by and like went to go down and just give me a full on hot, like low five. And like, I jerked back and I was like, (laughs) and I was like, and he was like, no low five. And I was like, no. And I just kept walking. Like I was just so (laughs) befuddled by the whole situation. And I shame. You gotta give, gotta give my boy a a low five dog. It was so mean, but it caught me so (laughs) off guard where I was like, I, I, why would you think I love the high school mentality where it's like, clearly the strangers give me a low five opportunity here, <laughs> not just checking the rain that's clearly falling above. Like I'm, he's going for a low five and it just, it caught me off guard. Cause like I'm, I'm in my own zone. I got he- headphones in, I'm listening to stuff and I'm just doing this, but he, I thought he was about trying to, he's going to hit me. Like it was one of those where I thought I was about to get blindsided. Cause it just, you just see the hand go up and like, just it completely freaked me out. And I was like, man, I just, and he walked away really sadly. And it was a, uh, it was oh, a whole yeah. thing where I'm I like, would that too, was rough. If I, seen, if I saw the Chase Thomas, you know, on campus, I okay. wanted to give him a high five yeah. and he pulled he pulled his hand back. I mean, yeah, I'd be devastated too. It was, hey, look, folks. I mean, this is a good thing in general. Never, I'm a jumpy dude. Like I have a <laughs> lot of Eric Foreman, Foreman in me where like, uh, I think Red told Eric in one episode where he's like, you're just so twitchy. That's me. I'm very mm-hmm. twitchy. Like not the twitchy that you need as a quarterback uh, to be a successful NFL quarterback where that, shh, you got to have that quick reflexes and stuff. That not that kind of twitchy, just more of like, oh, I, I might get hit at some point. So I'm just going to always be on my toes of like, uh, I don't like being touched. I'm not a personal touch kind of guy. It's not my love language. Oh, you got that twitchiness, <laughs> that, that avoiding children twitchiness, which is, uh, yeah. you know, on on those uh, recruiting uh, websites, I think they delineate those. They, they say this kid has <laughs> athletic twitchiness. This kid has like a house cat twitchiness, like where they're scared of their. That's really what I am. A house cat. I've been called that before. <laughs> yes. I, I, that is a good way of framing it. I am a house cat, which is funny because I'm a dog person, but I, uh, I'm definitely like a house cat in terms of a, a lot of ways, honestly. Um, 
but I'm not even sure how I can do a natural lead into the Preds. Um, Brian. Yes, sir. The case for the Nashville Predators being a cup team as currently constructed is what? Because we're seeing that a lot more now. I've seen like, oh, are they a cup team now? And I'm like, hmm, I want to get your perspective first on this. Are Is there a chance? Because we have not seen it in this administration. It's never happened. <laughs> but is yeah. this a group that would do it? Um, there's, there's some arguments for that. Definitely. I mean, you've got the play of UC Soros who has taken over now. He's been the full-time starter for a couple seasons now. Um, he's been amazingly consistent. He again was, was fantastic as a finalist. Um, you know, he's been a finalist or top five as far as his Vesna voting has gone. He's had a really good year and there was a really good piece on the athletic, uh, yesterday, I believe, uh, on Thursday, talking about consistency in goaltenders, because as anybody in hockey will tell you, goaltenders are just voodoo. There's no rhyme or reason as to what they do or how they do it. They just they're their own little thing. And um, he's been he was the second most consistently, you know, consistent overperforming goaltender in the league behind Darcy Kemper. And, you know, Darcy Kemper has been on a few teams, which is impressive because he did some of that with with the Coyotes. But, you know, looking at UC Soros, he he handled the transition extremely well. And, you know, they did make it to the playoffs. And yes, they did get swept in that first round, but did it without UC Soros. And he is a guy much like Pecorino was uh, at the end of his career, you know, when his kind of had his resurgence. You know, he is a guy that can steal wins for you. And so, you know, they've got an incredibly good goaltending situation. If, if Connor Ingram is, is going to be, you know, getting time as alongside, you know, Kevin Lincoln, which maybe we'll see how that turns out. But I think, you know, he's going to be the backbone. I don't expect to see anything other than probably another 80, 20 split. So goaltending is great. Um, the defensemen always been a strong unit for the Nashville predators. Uh, you know, they, you know, the, the third pairing is getting bolstered by being able to move, you know, a guy like Dante Fabro down, um, because, you know, Ryan McDonough is there and he's been, he's, again, we've talked about this tremendous ad for the defense score. So the defense score, I think has also been upgraded. And then looking at your forward groups, incredibly strong top six, Nino Niederreiter has really bolstered that, you know, replaced Luke Cunning, which not necessarily a tall task, but he, he brings a lot of improvement. We've seen a lot of, a lot of strengths out of this top six group. You get Forsberg, Duchesne, Grandlin, Johansson, Tolvanen, Niederreiter. It's, it's a great group. Um, you've got your third line guys like your, your Yakov Trennan. If, you know, once that whole arbitration situation gets fi- figured out, Tanner Janot, you know, there's, there's some questions about the bottom end of that top six, but you know, there's, a, there's, it's a stronger team than they were last season, but we'll have to see how much of, you know, how much stronger are they? Interesting. What do you think, Charlie? Uh, those are all great points. It's. I was just going to drop in. I was just looking at the roster specifically for ages of everybody. Mm-hmm. The the oldest guy on the team, it looks like, is actually Ryan McDonough at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, June of 89 is when he was born, but it caught me off guard. I guess I haven't thought about it. Ellie Tolvanen was born in 1999. And mm-hmm. Philip Tomasino was born in 2001. Like, mm-hmm. oh, he was born in the 2000s and he's played professional hockey. Anyway, yeah. I just noticed that. And I uh, I didn't think about how young they actually were. But um, as as they're currently constructed, I don't know. But if these, if the pieces come together in the future, I mean, it's kind of wishful thinking, I guess. But I, like, is Janot not a guy that you really look at where development could be huge. What is he's uh 20 25ish, yep. I guess, born in 97. Um and you know some some of your forwards are 
close to aging out, I would say. Forsberg is right on the edge of going down the other side of the hill. Johansson is kind of right there, too. Um, and, and, you know, you got to take advantage of what you have it. And maybe there's some unknown moves in the future that could make them with, – with those guys where they age out, you get new blood coming in that we don't know about. But as it's, as it's built, they just haven't changed that much. Mm-hmm. It makes me think this is going to take it – Nita Ryder is nice. But it's not – I don't think that it's like a full-blown game changer. You know, I'm bringing in freaking Kucherov over here to come, like, lead the team. I, you know, it's it's a good roster that will get you to the playoffs, I think. But it it will be a miracle season from UC Stars. Like, that's that's what I would think. Like, it's hmm. got to be – it's got to be the, you know, Pekka in the, in the playoffs when they made that cup run. I mean, it was just a brick wall. And, and mm-hmm. sometimes you hit that, that nice uh, – sweet spot and it works for you but yeah the, the defense is, is really strong i think it's gonna be strong going forward um yossi obviously he's kind of in that group i was talking about where you got to take advantage of him while you have him because you don't know how much longer that career is going to be at least at, at peak performance and you have him right now at his best um so i is it is it a question to be asked of like coaching do you think if they actually did because i i certainly come from much more of a college football mindset mm-hmm. where coaching can really flip a team do you think if they got a different coach with a different style that this could change because heinz is just it's been so uninspiring no i mean am i wrong about that like and there, there just has been no talk about it. it's been crazy like there's no talk about that at all but is is that a valid point i mean i think definitely there is a point because the the style of of hockey is different and the team is kind of built to his style of of hockey now you know it's a high four checking team they're not a high flying transition you know moving the puck you know up and down the ice quickly like you know again like the colorado avalanche somebody like that um but i mean here's the other thing and that's something again as being a, a lifelong football fan going going to covering hockey is you know you don't hockey does not have you know all of a sudden the team has gone and, and got a guy from you know from a mid-major that's a high-flying spread guy and is going to come in and, and change everything hockey recycles the same about 40 coaches i mean they get fired they immediately get go hired by another team or, or they decide to take a year off and then they go get hired by a team there's i mean it's a good old boys club there's no not much innovation. <laughs> and so, you know, we could say that, yes, a good, a better coach is going to be ava- could be available that would make this team a, a Jared Bednar, somebody like that with Colorado, again, is a great, fantastic example. But this is the NHL, the NHL, you know, habits die hard. And so, you know, with the roster, you know, constructed as it is, we'd have to, you know, yeah, they could maybe get something out of it if they kind of switch what they're doing. But I think, you know, with, this, you know, it's what the second full season that, that Heinz has had now. And, you know, it's just a matter of if this strategy, if this team, the way he's built it, you know, if it's going to push them over the the, the line, because we saw, you know, a different style with Peter Laviolette and it got him close. Um, but we would just have to see. But I can completely understand why it is, as you said, a little bit uninspiring just because, you know, it's a it's big hit hockey. It's slow things down. It's create opportunities and turnovers, not high-flying, you know, speed of, of a game. So they've got some parts for that. Uh, your Roman Yossi's, your Philip Forsberg's, things like that. But that's kind of not the way that, that, that the team is built. And so it'll be interesting, but I can totally understand, you know, the grievance that you've got with it. <laughs> it I mean, it was interesting when, when it came to the end of this season and they're, you know, 
I oh 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 did it? Sorry, it died on me. Oh no, you're here. Froze. You're good. Hey, good, good. It's everything froze, and you guys were like gone for a second. That was I was like, we're no. here, Charlie. We're okay. always here. It was interesting when it came to the end of the season, and my I mean, my my take was get rid of Poyle, get rid of Hines, shuffle this roster up, like really do something here. This you're stuck in the mud, mm. spinning your tires. There's just it's just not working. Mm. And the responses from a lot of people when I put that out on Twitter, like people were like, bring back Barry Trotz. I was like, bring <laughs> back Barry Trotz so we can just go back and do the thing, basically what we're doing now, which is what we did with him at the end of his time there. Yeah, he, he went and won a cup somewhere else, but that doesn't mean he's going to come and, and would come back and win one here. I don't that's, know. Like, that's the NHL in a nutshell right yeah, there. Like bring him back, point. you know. Yeah. It, it Let's was remember some guys. Yeah, I mean, you guys, you guys are used to it. Hearing, you know, back in the days with between the the Derek Dooley's and the Butch Jones about, you know, let's get Phil Fulmer back in there, and you're like, well, hold on, jury's still out. I'm Phil, <laughs> Phil Fulmer. The is, it, is it still out? <laughs> it was pretty early. Hey, whose name? Here's a game. Whose name was not included on that report? There's one name, Phil Fulmer. That is true. Mm. People forget. People forget. Um, no, shout out to Danny White, our guy. Um, <laughs> Brian, what is the case against this team being a cup team? Is I, I have a feeling that you have a lot more, and this is like just teed up for Charlie, but it kind of builds off what Charlie just said in yeah. terms of why he can't talk himself into it. Like, what can you build off that? Yeah, I tried. I tried to keep keep the first half of that positive. Um, he said there are there are a lot of things. Uh, they just again, I, I use this. I hate to go back and use the same metaphor I've used before, but last year they were they were a Shreveport you know, type of bowl team, you know, they're going to mm. barely make it and be there. This, this roster is again, topping out at, at an outback bowl level, you know, second round, maybe, um, you know, I have a lot of, a lot of concerns about the discipline and the penalties that they took. Uh, you know, they were a pretty decent penalty killing team, but if you're killing that many penalties, you're just giving more opportunities. You know, it's, it's something that really, I understand that the style of, of hockey that they play really lends itself to that, but, they can be better than what they were last season. And it didn't seem to get much better as the season progressed. So that was one part of it. Um, Second is, you know, are we going to see Heinz, you know, he has more trust. He has less trust in his rookie players, you know, as far as like an Ellie Tolvanen, you know, Mm -hmm. the emphasis since he arrived in Nashville playing full time was that, yes, he's a fantastic shot but nothing else. Hmm. And he did everything that the coaches talked about. You know, he, he fixed his all around game and then got rewarded for that by getting benched towards the end of the season because he wasn't scoring goals, which, you know, yeah, that's a, that's a perfectly valid criticism, but you know, he having some patience for a guy like that and then continuing to play Luke, Luke Cunning for all 82 games, a little bit weird. Um, I'm also pretty worried about the bottom six. I don't think that it has, you know, you're going to have Zach Sanford in there, you know, as, as a guy in the fourth line, which shouldn't matter eight minutes a game or so. But, you know, if that top line and that is, is not out there, you know, scoring drops a little bit. And then once you get past the second line, you've got Tanner Janot as, as, a, as a viable scoring threat, you know, and there's not much after that. And so they're relying on that bottom six to really slow the game down for check and all that stuff. But if you don't have scoring threats all up and down the roster, you know, you can't you can't keep up with a team that can score a lot of goals on you, no, no matter how well, you know, UC Soros can make 50 saves, but, you know, letting four goals in 
after 50 saves, a very good performance by all metrics, but you know, you've got a, the team has to give him some kind of goal support. And that's something that they've, they've struggled uh, with quite a bit. They're better last year. Philip Forsberg and Duchesne kind of exploding really helped with that. But, you know, I just don't think that they have that, that killer instinct to put teams away. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they've gotten better about protecting leads than they were under Laviolette. The Laviolette's turtle has, has disappeared thankfully, but it's, you know, again, they just don't have that, that killer instinct, I think yet, um, you know, by uh, getting something like a Matthew Kachuk would have definitely added, I mean, just across the board would have added a lot of things. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's several, I mean, but I'm sure that Charlie, you've got several, several more you can, you can bring up. Uh, yeah. I, you definitely took my biggest point that I was probably going to make the penalties were just God, like, come on guys. Like, like you said, the style of play lends itself a little bit to it, but if you're if you're better than they were, it's not that bad, mm-hmm. um, and that just kills you. And that that was a huge one. The depth to me is what will truly set them apart. To your point of finding scores down the roster. You think back to that cup run in seventeen. It was stuff like a like a hat trick from Colton Sissons mm-hmm. in in those games where you were just like, oh. Ooh, this is out of nowhere. Like, look at this. And, and we're getting this contribution from this guy who's, you know, good, good, but not not one of your star guys. And, I mean, who is that going to be? Colton Sissons is still there, I guess. It'd be nice if he could throw in some hat tricks. So, you know, go go right ahead. But uh, I don't think he's going to. But, you know, it was stuff like that that carried them forward in, in that run. And, and it just – it's like I said, outside of like an absolute miracle season from – uh, from UC Soros, it just what's what is really there that is more than like an outback bowl teams, as you said. Like it, it just is um, not to to me unless they just totally switch up. Like Hines, like switches his coaching style. I don't, I don't know. Outside of something like that, it's hard for me to just envision anything more than what we've seen the last three years. So it just is that sort of first. First round, maybe second round, maybe you can push somebody in the second round, but is it much more than that? Probably not kind of a team. And and it just, to me, this is almost worse than just being really bad. Because mm-hmm. when you're really bad, you can just go, screw it, we're blowing it up, start it over. And then, but now you're looking and you're going like, okay, we're not that bad. Mm-hmm. You're right there. <laughs> but you're in this purgatory of just like, we're not, we're not at that avalanche level. They're skating circles around us when we play them. And we're also, you know, we'll beat the Red Wings in the bottom half of the league. Anytime we play them too, it just is this kind of middle of the road that they've, they can't seem to find any real way to get out of for the last few years. Well, and I, to, I will say that you've been, you've brought up this point several times, but in, in defense, I guess of, of the case for them is the most important thing in the playoffs is goaltending. And, and I think this team as it's built, with or without UC Soros is, is it can be a playoff team. You know, yeah. they can get there with or without him. I think. Ingram was it, good. I yeah. Think. Ingram was pretty good. Yeah. And so they get to the playoffs and if UC can have a strong playoff performance, you know, that can be enough to push a team over. It's just a matter of one, keeping him healthy and two, making his job easier by not putting him on the penalty kill four or five times a game. So you never know. You get to the playoffs, your goaltending becomes massive and you know, you can ride a team, you know, all the way to the cup finals, like, like the predators did a few years back. Absolutely. Uh, Charlie, you got to run, but before you go, Taze, do you want, you didn't get your to truck, to truck, to truck, 
What would what you jump of, in on that? What kind of season is he coming off of? I didn't look that closely. Not a bad season at all. Um, I believe, I think around, let me pull this back up because I did have it up a second ago. My my apologies. Um, so he is 34, which mm-hmm. I don't want to say anything about how old that is because it's it's going to date me. Um, <laughs> well, hold on. I, yeah, we're, we're already there now. Absolutely. Like we're, yeah, like we're old we're running backs it. and it's like he's 26 and you're just mm-hmm. like, that dude's washed. And you're like, oh God. Yeah, so last <laughs> washed. I mean, and last season, 12 goals, 37 points, which, you know, mm. you don't want to see that out of that, that kind of guy. But he had, you know, a strong his his underlying numbers were strong. He's an excellent a player at, at five on five, a kind of a good two way forward. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he had a pretty good year. So I the main thing to me that I think you could find in a guy like that is just that seniority. I mean, he's in the back half of his career. You're not going to expect a giant season from the guy coming in. But you look at some of the guys who fit in that slot in the past where they just brought senior senior leadership, so to speak, like a Mike Fisher. Like he was so special. That's not a great comparison, but you know what I mean when I say that. Like this team doesn't have, I guess Roman Yossi is about as close as this team has at the moment to somebody like that, where it's a, a good player who's in that senior position. And maybe he could serve something like that. I mean, the guy has won cups. He has been there done that and right like it could serve a purpose like that but you're i don't think that you would look at him and be like he's going to come in and have a (laughs) have a dream season and be the the best player you have but yeah like i think there's it's it could serve a purpose i'm I'm interested i'll I'll stick around for your your answer here i want to know what you think about that uh i i mean yeah there definitely is i think he brings you know what you were talking about with like ryan mcdonough that's what he brings to that defense group yeah he brings to that and so that's yeah a valid point again underlying numbers are strong problem is is he's in year number eight of his deal with the uh with that team in chicago and that his last year he they got to pay him 10.5 million dollars with a no movement clause so that's you know it, it would be a guy that would make sense it would be a very david poyle move to get but i don't even think that it they could you know if you're gonna make if you're gonna make room for a guy with that much money you're making room for a matthew kachuk not a jonathan taze yeah. you know devin taze i'd pay i'd spend about that much money on him but you know he's young a whole lot younger and a whole lot better at this point but you know he's a guy that if you can get him next season after this deal you know get him to a one-year deal sitting at like four or five million dollars you know after this this coming for the 23 24 year yeah definitely mm-hmm. but for this season i it's it would be a, a great, you know, addition, you know, but not for the cost that it would take, especially because you probably have to move some things back, back to Chicago to make it happen. Hmm. Cool. All right. Well, I, I do have to run now. So thanks, guys. Another great week. And we'll see you, see you next week. See you, Charlie. All right, see you. See you guys. Uh, as we continue on Preds Power Hour here on a Friday, Brian, my next mm-hmm. question to you, the biggest position of strength right now in nashville is where what what position you can say line you can even go line like this is our best line and i'm pretty confident in that or is it defense is it forwards like who who is the strongest position group right now on friday july 29th man that's 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 a little bit rough so you know part of me wants to say that group of of matt duchene and and philip forsberg and mikhail granlin just because they were so dynamic you have two 40 goal scorers you know that Mm -hmm. can play 
you know, Duchesne has been pl- alternating between center and wing pretty much since he arrived, as Nashville kind of does with all of their centers. Uh, but really, I think the backbone of it was is that top pair of, of Roman Yossi and, and, and Alex Carrier, just for the fact that, you know, Roman Yossi has not had a guy like Ryan Ellis. Ryan Ellis was a do-everything type of guy. He was strong defensively. He had some type of offensive presence, so it allowed Roman Yossi to open up. But in those years prior to last season, you know, they were, the Predators relied on Roman Yossi to do pretty much everything. He was, you know, getting the most minutes by far of anybody by the team, you know, 30, 30 plus minutes every single night. Uh, but he was, you know, in charge of all the breakouts, in charge of pretty much everything, you know, quarterbacking the power play, that type of thing. But with with Alex Carrier, it kind of gives them a dimension that they haven't had in a little bit and a young player that they could trust, bring him in there and he can move the puck. They, you know, uh, there's there's been a couple of pieces out there that talked about, you know, one of the successful things that the Predators did last season was take some of the weight off of Roman Yossi, you know, not making him do everything all the time. And we saw what happened. You know, he was able to, you know, have a, a just a career season last year and and you know, probably you know, could have won could have won the Norris trophy again. And so, you know, that group with what he can do, but having a guy that can come in there and say, Alex Carrier, you know, we don't you're not when he's not Rossi's not babysitting him. Mm. You know, you saw that you see that a little bit with Dante Fabro and Matias Ekholm a little bit. Uh, but you know, they Alex Carrier really frees up that team. And because those pairs are not just out with those top lines sometimes, I, I think that that might be one of the biggest positions of power that the team has, you know, outside of maybe goaltending. But again, with goaltending, Soros goes out. What do you do? And so I think that that first that first pairing, I think, is kind of the the place you start with the National Predators. Interesting. Um, I'm I'm very excited to see what they do. And I think like we've talked about here, it's like I think they they're a high floor, lowish ceiling team right now is the way mm-hmm. it looks like. And that's kind of where they were last year. But I think there's still just a better chance. They're a little bit better than they were a year ago. Um, and does that mean they're a cup team? No, I don't mm-hmm. think it's presently constructed, but I think they're I would be surprised. I think at this point we would be surprised if they're not a playoff team, right? Like I think that's just right. kind of where they are. They're just like they're a playoff team. They're not a top four seed in the West, but that's an okay spot to be in because, like we said, with Chuck or whoever, they still could do something if they're having a better than uh, anticipated start first half to next year. Mm-hmm. You have some resources. You have some ways of navigating to go all in a little bit more and push you push you there. So we'll see. Right. Um, where guys like Yossi and everybody else are um, going into this year. And if things are good, then, hey, that's a, that's a good spot to be in. Like you want to be a for sure playoff team with options to get even better. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, we'll see. Um, last thing, and then we have to wrap up here on a Friday. Um, last year's rookies. So this is your idea, Brian. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year's rookies and who is the most valuable rookie when you look at uh the group for national this past year well the obvious answer that most people will point to is tanner janeau and he did i mean i can't understate what an important important year he had just for the fact that you know again he was sitting at at 24 goals fourth on the team just behind duchene forsberg and johansson you know Mm -hmm. you don't expect that a guy who was undrafted to come in and do that type of a thing you know he made a really strong case for the calder even though nobody else paid attention really Mm -hmm. um but you know, again, and I just just brought this up and maybe could have planned this a little bit better, but Alex Carrier and what he did last season and, you know, 
they they got this guy who'd been in Milwaukee and been in the system for years and years and years mm. and brought him up and trusted him enough to put him on that first pair. And, you know, going up against the top lines of of Colorado, of of Tampa Bay, of Toronto, like those groups and, and performed, you know, extremely well. He's he's an underrated player. He's got a lot of strengths in that, you know, he's a good puck mover. He's a smart player. He sees space really, really well. Um, you know, he's he's very good, you know, disciplined at, at, his, at his gaps and his gap control and things you know that nature his skating is his skating has some work to do but again you know that just takes time and he's he's been very very good you know up to that point and so you know seeing a guy like like him he's not you know i think his his stat lines last season were, weren't i think seven goals maybe or three goals actually three goals and 30 points so mm-hmm. he's he's contributing he's he's making an impact but when you're you know you're playing next to roman yossi you're not going to be getting the lion's share of the points most of the time but what he does you know his defensive ability, which is something that, you know, Roman Yossi's wasn't as great as, as in past seasons, it, it makes him extremely valuable. And so having both of them is a luxury and I won't complain about that. But as far as, you know, Tanner Janot goes out of the lineup for, for two weeks, you know, seven, six or seven games, you're going to, you may see a little bit of an impact on that bottom six, but you get Carrier out of there and you have to shuffle that that bottom, you know, the defensive pairs and you've got to move somebody up, you know, into that third pair. I think it's going to make a much bigger, much bigger impact. And so Carrier, again, you know, all the focus was on was on Janot, but Carrier deserves quite a bit of credit for how how well his unit performed last season. I like it. Who's next this year? We'll end on that question. Who's the next? Who's the next rookie you're excited about? Um I don't know if you want if we consider if the NHL considers him technically a rookie, but but Cody Glass, um, you know, hmm. he came over as part of the uh, uh, the three way trade with you know that that sent Ryan Nels to Philadelphia. I think Nolan Patrick, legendary predator, who was you know a Nashville predator for an hour maybe mm-hmm. something like that yeah. And, and Cody Glass he did came the in Rasheed there. Wallace thing. In That's Atlanta. right, exactly right. And so uh, he he's a guy that you know he struggled a little bit previously uh in vegas you know he spent all of last season playing in the minors and he's a guy who's got a, a really good skill set he's got a big toolbox of, of things that he can offer it's just about putting them together and i think he's not like the reclamation project that that a uh, luke cunning was mm-hmm. uh he's got that some of that natural talent that, that you know should be able to have him make an impact but i'm very excited because he's he's not a guy that you're going to sit there and plug into the fourth line every single time you know he can be versatile you can and put him on the second line with Ryan Johansson, you know, Niederreiter, and and we'll see because I mean he's a guy that's he's very smart, um, you know he's he's a real cerebral player from from what I've seen, and so I'm excited to see how he does and how he performs next year. Um, other than that, I'm trying to think of who will likely be on the roster, and there's not a ton of new blood. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Askarov maybe get a game or two, you know, coming up from Milwaukee. Um, so that'll be really just, that's going to be must see TV, no matter how he does, just because he's such an entertaining player to watch. I mean, he was a blast just to watch it at rookie camp this, this year, a couple weeks ago. So uh, yeah, I think that's probably the only major guy that you may see, but you know, I said that last year and we saw Tanner Janot come out of nowhere and Alex Carrier come out of nowhere. So there you go. There you go. Well, we'll see what happens here. Uh, Brian, what can the good folks check out from you at Revenge of the Puck and uh, on the forecheck this week? Yeah, um, we've got some more uh, coverage. It's it's been a little bit of a dead period. Um, obviously, we've got looking forward to seeing what happens with Yakov Trenna's arbitration. So we'll have coverage on that. Um, but other than that, we're kind of just we're kind of just in a holding pattern, waiting to see what the team does. Uh, starting our, our reviews of last season, report cards for the players, and so 
you know, you'll start to see some of that. And you'll see some of my insight uh, on, on how they did last year. There you go. There you go. Uh, Brian, thank you as always, my friend. And I will talk to you next week. Always a pleasure. All right, y'all, that'll do it for part one here on the Saturday, July 30th, 2022 edition here on the Chase on this podcast. Part two, part three coming up in just one second with uh, Atlanta Sports Guys with Garrett and Max and part two and then part three, we've got uh, Coach Nick from B-Ball Breakdown coming up uh, to wrap up this Saturday show. So a lot of, lot of fun uh, still to be had here on the Saturday edition. Thank you as always for making the Chase on this podcast part of your daily listen wherever and however you listen to this program. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, go check out all the other great uh, programs all across Blue Wire Pods today. If you have not already done so, email me at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Tweet at me at chase double underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. All right, part two coming up in just one second. Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.